Okay, let's it's starting to embarrass me. Thank you. Uh, well, if, first of all, God bless Tim for that version of, of, he took my favorite prayer and let me tell you what he did. I've been after the um, worship team on a continual basis saying, you know, we can do melancholy every once in a while and contemplative every once in a while, but I, we need we need to be pumped up. I need, I need up music because we get beat up every week, you know, and we need something to give us energy. Well, he just took my favorite prayer. He gave us energy with the favorite prayer. So God bless him. Um, so last weekend that I'll be at Northam, but let me tell you something. When God came to me not long ago and said, I want you to go from your best interpretation of what the scriptures say to your best imitation of how Jesus lived. I don't think he was just talking to me. I think he was talking to all of us. And so I want to give this last final thought on, on what our future means to God and to the world. I, I, by the way, let me say this to you. Uh, Becky and I have many people coming up, I mean, in the, in the community saying, well, congratulations on your retirement. Not so much. Um, for those of you who know what we're doing um, uh, next, um, or if you don't, we'll tell you, but <clears throat> it, it brought to mind, that, um, I don't, some of you are old enough to, to remember the words uh, retreads. Retreads are tires <clears throat> that aren't um, bad enough to throw out yet. Uh, but they've traveled so many miles, they've kind of gotten smooth and lost their tread. Um, and when you lose your tread, you lose your grip. Well, there are people who kind of have traveled so many miles that aren't ready to be thrown away yet, but they've kind of lost their grip. And so you retread tires. Now, the, the great thing about this is you, you, they, you get your grip back, um, and they're a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. And, and, and you don't quite know how long they're going to last, but as long as they last, they hold to the road pretty good. So this isn't my retirement. This is my retreadment because I'm getting new tread for a, for a new season of ministry. And by the way, I didn't say this last night, and she'll hate that I say it. I could not do this without the same woman who 32 years ago gave up all of the security and stability of a wonderful life and said, I'll follow you anywhere, even when we don't know where that's leading. That's how I got down here. And she just said the same thing a few months ago. going to kill me when I get home, but it's worth it. <laughs> this woman is a hero to me. 
it's nothing for me to pick up and just start all over again, not knowing exactly what I'm doing. It's a little bit different for somebody whose job is stability. <laughs> and so, well, let me tell you, just give you a summary. And, and, and please don't have high expectations. Boy, I bet he preaches the best sermon he ever preached right at the last one. No. No, I didn't say the best for last. I just got kind of a little summary here. Just a thought. I want to focus on, on the verse in Second Peter, or First Peter, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 21, that says this, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. I want you to think our best imitation of Jesus how to live our best imitation of Jesus. The best going away present I could have had is this cross that just arrived and was, was put in the middle of that bridge. And I want to tell you why that is. Because the cross is not just a symbol of his death. It's a summary of his life. This is what Jesus said to his followers. This is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Luke adds the word daily and follow me. I want to talk to you for a moment about the cross. The cross does two wonderful things. Put in the middle of this bridge, the bridge can be both the bridge between heaven and earth, at which Christ is the connecting point, but the bridge can also be among the wide, over the wide gaps we find in this world. Every kind of gap, every kind of separation. Christ did us the ultimate favor on that cross with his death paying for all of our sins with his sacrifice, something we could never do, so that whoever trusts in him would absolutely be assured of having eternity in heaven. I'm deeply touched when Isaac, or when <laughs> Vernon, <laughs> I'm sorry, talks about his father, because many of us, many of us have people there too. And we wouldn't take what they're experiencing away from them for anything in this world, literally. And so I can't explain the gratitude out of which I live my whole life, and I suspect many of you do too, knowing what he's done for us after we die. But I want to tell you in this next season, I want to refocus on what he did to give us an example before he died. Because that cross is also, as I said, a summary of how he lived. And it wasn't pleasant. You know the cost of love. Most of you know the cost of love. It is the cost of denying yourself and wanting someone else's good above your own. 
putting someone else's good before your own. That is our cross. And that is the one that love demands that we do daily. And so what we have in this summary is a, is a wonderful side-by-side walk of the sublime and the practical, of the ultimate and the everyday messiness of love. It's, it's, it's so important for us to remember how messy love is. You know, you've known this for years. For 32 years, no matter what kind of rose we had, and you saw some of those in a video, our first seating was, was, was um, pews that were, that were discarded by First Baptist, and they said, you can have these if you want them. And so we said, we were lucky to get them. We thought, this is awesome, and so we got them and we fixed them up, and, and you saw some in, in, the, in the thing. But for 32 years, I've been before the services, walking up and down and praying for every person that would be sitting in these pews. And in the meantime, lately, the, the last 25 years, praying for everyone who would be joining us online. But you gotta know I'm not just praying. I'm picking up your litter. You know, the cleaning crew doesn't always get it all. I'm a perfectionist. And I haven't just picking up, been picking up your litter, litter. I've been cleaning the gum off the bottom of your seats. Every week, there's gum. This morning, there was gum on the floor in that middle section, and I was scraping it off with my fingernail. Now, I don't come in here and get mad at you for chewing gum or even for sticking it under your seats. You've never heard me give you a lecture on gum. Do you know why? Because it's just what love does. Those of you who are mothers, who have thrown on a tattered robe to minister to a sick child in the middle of the night, you know when God looks at you. He can't tell that much difference between the robe you got on and the robe I had on in that picture. There's not much difference to him between a house coat of a mom who's serving a sick kid and a clerical robe of a preacher who's preaching out of the Word of God. Because that's the combination of the Bible. That's the combination of the cross. One of my favorite stories, I, I love to tell them. Many of you have heard this several times. When I was first here, and it was just me and a part-time secretary, and, and I was all excited because I had this interview with this big wig in town. He wanted, to, he wanted me to come and talk to him. And I thought, this is the greatest thing. And he was a big wig, you know? So I was all dressed up and I had a suit on and a tie on because he was a very important person. And I was passing by the restrooms over in the rink, and there was a horrible smell. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't, I can't let that just be that way. This is the Lord's house. As much of a wreck as it is, it's the Lord's house. And so I went into the restroom. Sure enough, the commode was all stopped up. And I'm thinking, have I got, well, I got to. If not me, who? You know, there's nobody else around. So I took the plunger and I'm plunging the thing and I'm taking and oh man, here it comes. All over the floor, all over my shoes, and it was exactly what you're thinking it was. 
And now I'm kind of late for this appointment with this important guy and I've got stuff spelled another way all over my shoes. So I take my shoes off and I rinse them under the faucet and I'm washing them off, you know, just to get the color back to black. <laughs> and I put them back on and here's, here's our son. I hop in my Jeep, I'm going down and I walked into his office and my shoes hadn't dried out yet. I didn't say a word. During that conversation, he kind of got up at one point and walked over to the window and looked out to see if it was raining. I didn't have the heart to tell him that wasn't rainwater he was hearing. The gospel is a mix of the sublime and the ridiculous. Of the, of the privileged and the practical. And what we need to do in the coming era is to understand the reason we're still down here is to help people onto this bridge. People who aren't on the bridge right now. And some people will never get on the bridge by themselves except how they see us live. So that when we get to the place where we are going to that eternal reward, we'll be glad we lived the life we did. I was talking with Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert, I'm so privileged that Pastor Robert would come from Uganda to just to be with me during this weekend and would be with us. And so I was talking with Pastor Robert on Friday and he always brings in questions. You know, I'm an old guy and, and here's a younger pastor and so he's not wasting any time. He wants to kind of pick my brain and, and he asked me this question. He said, how do you want to be remembered? Do you know what my answer was? I don't. I don't want to be remembered. Because the point of this life is not us. The point is the impact that we have. See, the tomb was empty. It was a day when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, it's better for you if I'm not here. He was thinking, because if I'm here, you're going to come running to me with everything. And I want you to have a direct relationship with the Father. So I'm going to send you the Spirit. I'm going to send you the Spirit. It's better for you if I'm not here. This is, this is what, how, how Paul put it in his letter to the, to the Corinthians. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 2. We'll start with verse 2. In verse 1 he says, am I supposed to commend myself to you? Do I, do, I, do I want commendation to you or from you? And then in verse 2, he says this, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of, tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So many of you have been so kind to Becky and I and tell us the impact that the Lord has had on your life. 
because of our ministry. That's all we ever want. We don't want to be mentioned. We just want to see the effects of the Spirit of God. And I hope you understand how important your lives are to pass that on to other people. Don't try for worldly titles or reputation. Look for spiritual impact. You know, I, I'm a physics nut, and so I was, I was listening to another lecture on entanglement the other day. Entanglement is, is, is something, the way God built the universe, to be always in relationship. That's why in, in, in my heart, it, it's, it's the, the, the nature of God and the nature of, of, of the kingdom is, I am us. There's, there's no just individual. It's always in relationship. It means so much that this weekend, Tim Tracy could be back with us and Vernon Rainwater. Because for 25 years, we worked a little bit like the Trinity. You can assign the roles yourself, but Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we were, we were, and we did, we were inseparable because we couldn't operate without one another. And then the us was all about us. But it was never about us. It was always for them. For those who were not yet included. Why did Christ come down? For those yet not included. Why did he go into the world? Why was 95% of his ministry outside a religious institution? Because it was always for those not included. And there are times, no, there's a majority of times when those people will never come where you are. They'll never step foot inside of a church building. So you got to go there. I am us for them there. And that's our work. That's what we're going to be doing with the poor and the marginalized, especially the homeless, those who have been displaced. We're going to be working with an army of volunteers. I hope some of you are some of them. Because this is what happens. In this world of entanglement, there is an impact you have, whether you intend to have it or not, simply because of the way we're wired. I was watching a, an old, an old um, um, candid camera uh, uh, script. You, you, you remember, some of you are old enough to remember candid camera. This is where they put, put plants into, into I mean, um, um, people, actors into daily life. To, to get reactions from people. And, and in this particular scene, they had outfitted this elevator, this normal elevator with cameras. And so the person got on the first floor and he pressed a button and it stopped on the second floor. And two actors from Canada Camera came in the elevator and faced backwards, faced toward the rear of the elevator. And the guy's just kind of looking at him. Now, this is the old days, and it's winter, and they got hats on, and, 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 and so he just kind of looked, and, and, and it stopped at the fourth floor. And somebody else got on, face backwards. Well, the guy's, so he turns around, and he faces backwards. <laughs> another, another group got on, more actors, facing backwards, and by the, by the time they got to where this guy was going, he was following their every move. They took their hats off. He took his hat off. Why? Because we're wired like that. It moves from conformity. Watch this. 
If you come to a church long enough, you will begin to begin to become like the congregation. It's a, there's a natural pressure for conformity. But what if you don't come to church? It's got to go not with conformity, but with contagion. You've got to be contagious. And that's what you are in the world. So what, if, what is our vision? What is our vision together even though, even though we, we may not be in the same geography? This is our vision. For this community and for every community that you're in, because this is a church distributed. Our vision is that in the end, no one is left out. In the end, everyone has every chance to fulfill every ounce of potential that God gave them. I was looking, I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real um, a nostalgic kind of guy. I don't look back, but in the last couple of weeks I have been, I've been kind of going through old papers and and, and especially from 40 years ago, just kind of seeing what my, what my ministry was then. And I came up with an old um, um, church newsletter. Now, Becky used to be um, in, uh, kind of the helper in the in church office. And she would type out on a stencil, some of you are old enough to remember stencils, on a stencil, you know, the church newsletter. You know, half the time, you know, the things would rip and you'd have to, you know, glue them back together and patch them up and all of that kind of stuff. But I would always tell a story in these church newsletters because this is what I do. I just tell stories. And I read one of our son, Joshua, when he was two years old. And uh, we were in this parsonage that was three feet from the church. And it was one of these, it was an odd thing. It was like 10 feet wide, but 50 yards long. You know, it was just the longest, skinniest house you've ever seen. So we were eating dinner one night and Josh wanted more milk. And, and, uh, and, and so... Um, and he asked, please. And so I said, sure, I'll, I'll get you some. So I got up. He said, I'll come with you. Because that's what a two-year-old does. I'll come with you. Well, four steps into it, he said, let's race. Let's race. So I said, you're on. And I started running. Now, this thought's going through my mind. Should I let him win? Should I let him win? And I'm thinking, it's a, I'm, you know, it's a man thing. Nah. He's got to learn that you can't win every, just because you're, you know. So I'm racing. Well, he's keeping up with me. And then about 20 feet before the, the um, um, we had just hit the kitchen and we had linoleum on the kitchen, he falls flat and slides. <laughs> and I'm thinking, should I stop and pick him up? Man, man stuff happens to me again. No, he's got to learn. He's got to brush himself off. He's got to get up and be tough. And so. so I just... Jumped in front of the refrigerator and said, I win. And he picked himself up and he threw his arms up and he says, I win too. <laughs> That's the kind of world we need. Where you don't have winners and losers. You have winners because somebody won and that means other people win too. That's the world we're building. That's the mission we still have. Christ never looked at you and saw a loser. Never looked at you and saw a loser. And so before we pray and get out of here, let me just tell you that my best friends have always been, I'm an introvert. You got to realize this. My best friends have always been my books. 
Um, there's an old saying, you know, if, 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 I have, if I have any money, I'll buy books. If by chance I have anything left over, I might buy food. And that's how, that's how books are with me. And so I just, I wanted to give you something. Because you've given us so much over the past 32 years. And I wanted you to have a keepsake. So that's my library out there. And I want you to pick one of those up. And I, and I let me issue a disclaimer. Some of those are gift books. And so I don't want every book you pick up, you go, he's recommending this? No. Some of them I haven't read. Not many of them, but some of them I haven't, you know. And so there's some books with odd theology. But that's how I've lived my life. I don't just stick to the Christian line. There's a whole encyclopedic perspective, worldview, that I have loved and that I will continue to love. But I want you to take a book, if you like, and just say, you know, for part of my journey, I had this pastor once, and he brought me closer to God because his wife went along with a crazy notion that wherever God leads us, we'll follow. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for these 32 years. The journey's not yet done. We have miles to go before we sleep. But we know our focus. His name is Jesus. And we know that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, that other people will be blessed, especially in the same way you've blessed us. So we ask you to continue to use us. We ask you to continue to strengthen us for the road ahead and help us know that when we're all surrounding that throne, we'll be grateful for the way we lived on this earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.